Hello and welcome to Black Mirror Cracked, the podcast for all your Black Mirror needs. My name's Sachandrika and I'll be your host. Today I'll be interviewing an actor from season one episode, The Entire History of You. His name is Rashan Stone and he plays Jeff. So let's see what he has to say about working on the episode. Their money's worth. <laughs> <laughs> what out of Charlie Brooker? <laughs> he's a busy boy. I mean, you know, he's, you've got to get him while he can. <laughs> he's really busy. Was he on the set much when you were filming? Um, he actually wasn't, no. I mean, he, he did come and he spent time with us. But um, uh, Jesse was there quite a lot because he wrote our episode, um, Jesse Armstrong. And, uh, you know, we were the first, we were in the first batch. So we were sort of Black Mirror before it was Black Mirror, if you know what I mean. <laughs> so none of us really knew what we were in for before we started. I think it's probably my favourite episode. The world is really conceived as a place I feel I could walk into in the future. How, do, yeah. how does it feel to you to, th- to be part yeah, of it? Yeah, I mean, I, it's funny, you know, because with that one, it does feel a little bit different to me because... What I've really enjoyed, I mean, I really enjoy all of them and I've got my favourites and stuff, but but the thing that I notice about the others is that they are very often either really focused on the technology or they're just so terrifying just because, you know, people get, you know, they're strapped in chairs and people are sort of filming them from windows. Or, but there's something about this one, that I think, that is actually, it's sort of about an ordinary bunch of people, you know, friends from the past, and it has quite a high emotional content. Um, you know, especially for Jodie and Toby, you know, they're, they're, it's such a great storyline. And it's it's sort of one of the few that's really about a relationship. Yeah, definitely. I think <laughs> it's a great drama. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when we, you know, we turned up and obviously we didn't know, we didn't know what the series would become. And in a sense, um, there was, I mean, there was just a lot of freedom there, you know. Um, we had a, a fantastic director, Brian Welsh, who was just so collaborative and just up for people suggesting things. And, and the only thing that was actually done before we started was the, the production design was very clear. Um, we hadn't even seen our costumes yet when we, when we turned up. And, uh, and I thought the idea of having a slightly retro feel to the whole thing was just absolutely brilliant as a way of, of portraying the future. You know, this idea that people in the future have sort of said, Oh, do you know what? I might revisit that flair or I might go back to the classic car or, um, which is exactly what we do. I just thought that was a lovely, a lovely touch. So you said that you were you're a part of Black Mirror before it was Black Mirror, which is brilliant. Um, what was it like getting that script? Did it sort of jump out as really different immediately? I didn't, you know, obviously didn't know anything about the show, and and I read the episode and thought that that's just crazy. That's just mad. My first thought was, uh, you know, what what are people going to make of it? You know, and then I saw that they were doing three, and I just thought, well. Presumably they're thinking, well, we don't know if there's an audience for it. We'll, we'll, we'll give it a try. And I really admired that. You know, Channel 4 are really good at trying stuff out. And um, and because of that, you know, people were encouraged to just really push the genre as far as, as it could go. And I think, actually, ironically, that's what people loved about it, is that it, it really stuck its neck above the parapet. Um, and, you know, in terms of getting the script, I got it and I thought, oh, this is, this is a bit different, you know. Um, but you know, at the time, had absolutely no idea that it would go on to, to to be the show that it is now. What was it that struck you as as different? Was it in the writing? Was it in the way the characters were very realised on the page? Yeah, I mean, it was just it was really clear that Charlie and Jesse had just they knew exactly what they wanted out of the story and the world of it, and that was really really clear. 
And, you know, when by the time that we were casting it, there were still some things that were being rewritten, um, some characters that may or may or not have made the cut, you know, been in the final episode. So we were told at the casting, you know, that, that this script will change by the time you get to the uh, to the set, but um, but it was just so well crafted. I, I I think Jesse Armstrong's one of the best writers that we've got. You know, we're losing him to America, like like most of them. But you know, he's 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 a real talent. And I just uh, yeah, you could just as soon as you started reading the script, you thought it's all there, it's all there. It's just you then start to wonder how you know what's the production designer going to do? How how are they going to manifest this? this time in the future so that it doesn't look, you know, I think at the time we'd had a lot of shows where everybody was sort of in pristine jumpsuits as a, as a representation of the future. Um, and I think that they'd just spent so much time and thought and creativity, just really trying to capture uh, something that is particularly black mirror. And I think they, I think they did a good job. You know, It often looks a lot like the real world, but there's just something mm. off about it. Just something, <laughs> yeah. yeah, a bit weird about yeah. it. Um, this, I think and not this... least of all the casting as well. You know, that's another thing that, yeah. that I think they do brilliantly is that uh, that's one of my biggest joys in the series is just the regular faces that you see in the show. And there are often just really good surprises in terms of casting so that you can't second guess. Um, television usually casts, um, you know, really famous actors in the lead parts. and then, But, you know, it's all on its head. You don't know who's going to die or survive. You don't know who's going to end up being you know, the forefront or the twist of the story. And that's, it gives it that real UK sensibility, I think, which is, which is really good. Uh, there were no special effects, but there, there were things that we had to do. I mean, obviously when we, when we shoot, you know, we shot a lot more than is in the, the than is in the final cut. So there were other scenes that we shot and there were things that, you know, just didn't necessarily help the story move along that were cut. And, and some of those things were to do with the technique of using the camera as the person's POV, and you know that that was great fun. A lot of the time, you know, we did we did a, a flashback shot to the university, which I think there's about a second of it in the in the footage on the in the show. But um, you know, we were all in our sort of wigs and costumes from you know twenty years before, and to meet each other, we had to you know go up and kiss the edge of the camera frame, and it's just the weirdest thing because as an actor, you're all you know from the minute you start work, it's like don't look at the camera. And no matter what you do, at some point at the beginning of your career, in a great scene, your eyes just going to wander and you're going to look straight down the lens and ruin a shot. It's just what happens. But uh, so we're told to ignore it religiously. And then suddenly we absolutely have to uh, look at the camera. We have to look straight down the lens. And if you go up to someone and kiss them on the cheek, you've got to kiss the camera lens um, because that's what you're seeing. And Poor Jodie, you know, in the in the scene <laughs> where they're having sex, and you know, normally it's bad enough when you've got an actor riding around on top of you, but in this case, it's the cameraman, you know, jiggling the lens up and down. So things like that just made it really particular and and actually quite a lot of fun. So it must have been Jesse Armstrong bringing those techniques over from Peep Show, for which he's yeah justly famous. Yeah, we just spent a lot of time saying, well, what what should we? How can we create this feeling that we've all known each other for years? when we just met each other 20 minutes ago, you know, over a cup of tea. Um, but those are the things that we enjoy, you know, it's creating those sorts of relationships, the, the backstory that we can then bring in to, to make it look as though we've known each other. Those are, those are the fun things, you know. That once we all move through and it's the dinner party scene, and, you know, those scenes are notoriously difficult, A, to film and shoot, because 
you know, it, they always look as if we're just sitting around having a chat. But, you know, in terms of when you eat, when you pick up a glass, when you put the fork in, how many chews you do, all that stuff has to be replicated. And for the POV, the extra POV, the peep show POV, which is of using the camera as the person, there's even more footage. And so, but what it actually gives you is this opportunity to do a lot of stuff off text, which you don't often see in television. So, you know, in, in those scenes, they would always pick up on little looks between a couple of ca- characters. You know, I might have a little joke with Jody about something that, some, that somebody said. And, and all of those things actually made it in because they, they add to the richness of the relationship. And usually the, the camera goes with the person that's speaking. You know, that's, that's the common sort of television language. And again, I think, it's, I think it just tells you a lot more about what's going on in this group of people because the camera's constantly moving around, letting you check in with people's attitudes towards different things. But it was a, th- those scenes were quite... <laughs> it took us a long time to shoot them. And we did have a lot of extra ad libs and scenes allowed to run on. And, and sometimes if you, you know, stumbled over a line or you made a mistake, they just say, you know, please pick, you know, run back a few lines, pick up, just keep going, keep going. So we get this fluidity, um, which is quite useful for them in the edit. What's that like as an actor to work with? Is that quite a freeing and fun thing? Or is it a bit like, oh, oh God, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing? It's, do you know what? It's actually both. That's a really good question because it is a bit of both. You, there were times when we were sitting at the table just thinking, I don't really, because it's very difficult. A lot of the time the director will explain what it is that's trying to be achieved in the shot. But in this, it was a question of finding out as we went along. And Brian would say, you know, he'd suddenly see something and say, oh, I love it when you guys do this sort of thing. So you say, okay, yeah, we can do more of that. And so we would pick up and do it again and just emphasize that. But a lot of the time it was picked up on things that people were doing. So you could try something and it might fall flat and they, or you could try something and it would be picked up by the other actors and you say, yeah, yeah, that was good. Let's do more of that. So yeah, I would definitely say a little bit of both, but uh, as I hope you can see in the final thing, we also had a lot of fun on it. It was a, it was, you know, those sort of dinner party scenes, you, you can spend hours and hours and hours on, you know, a couple of pages and usually people start to flag towards the end uh, and run out of energy. But um, but we kept spirits high and there was a lot of banter and joking and, and uh, in between shots. So it was a it was a it was a very happy set. It's really interesting. It sounds um, like there's a lot of improv. And I think actually with your old friends, that's kind of what the humour's like. It is a bit like, yes, and is you know each other so well. Exactly. People finish your sentences. They know they groan at the things that you always say. And, you know, yeah, I think you're right. I think um, one one thing that's interesting is that it feels like Liam doesn't know that friendship group well. And that kind of leads into then why he's a sus- suspicious. And he has his own problems, clearly. Mm. But I think he's trying to work it out. And that's why it's really helpful to have the camera kind of go everywhere, because that's that's how his mind and how his memory will keep that scene kind of who's that what's their relationship who's talking to my wife um all the worst things in his character that come out because the technology allows him to do that yeah and it's interesting isn't it that in the in the episode he's not worried about the others because the others just are so there are no sort of involuntary looks that are that are suspicious so you know, if you didn't know the story, you could ask, well, why, you know, he looks around the room, he sees the other men there and none of the other men are behaving strangely or, you know, and um, 
I think that's one of the things that I really like about it is that he he sees one tiny tiny little moment and that's the one that sows the seed of doubt it's such a it's such a subtle introduction of of something that causes a man to completely out, unravel by the end of the story but the actual moment that it's based on is tiny most people would miss it you know what he does he kind of iago's himself he like he lets his own <laughs> mind do it to himself yeah it's, yeah, it and even there are look... moments when you can tell he's thinking, no, I, I, I must have made a mistake. Surely this can't be, but it, yeah, it yeah. just worms into his brain like the grain. Yeah, but actually, the scenes themselves, they're often quite chaotic. I don't mean it, 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 they're not sort of um, they're not chaotic in, in a in a big overdone sense, but they just feel quite natural. And you know, it's just a bunch of people kind of hanging out and doing a bit of this and a bit of that. So that that slight messy feel that you get from the acting is backed up by very, very good structure work in terms of editing and script and an idea. And I think this combination of the two is really good. I think that what most of the Black Mirrors do really well is that they don't judge. They, they sort of show the difficulties of the technology that we're using and the difficulties that are raised, particularly in terms of relationships and, and shows an extreme version of where we could arrive if we don't just take care of each other and take care of the technology and, and be mindful of it. Um, and I think that's one of the things that I like about it. It doesn't sort of, doesn't stand on one side of the fence and throw stones at the characters and say, ah, you know, more fool you for making that mistake. You deserve it. I think it tries to always say, it's sort of the equivalent of those Victorian cautionary tales, aren't there, in a way? I, I find that people very often really enjoy talking about Black Mirror. Like, if, if somebody brings up Black Mirror, people very quickly go into a lot of detail about the episodes that they enjoy. And, and you think, God, it's really, it's really had an impression on people. Um, and I don't think it could do that if the stories weren't dark and dangerous. But we were, sort of, we were so fascinated by the technology. I mean, you have to remember, this, we filmed this quite a long time ago. And you know, Black Mirror has become part of people's everyday life now. But when we first did it, I remember thinking, this is just bizarre. This is so different and so bizarre. And we kept saying, wait, how does it work? You actually go into the memory and you can zoom in again. So you can see something in the background of your memory and zoom in on that. And then, and so to us at the time, it just, you know, I mean, some, I, I'm always amazed that the, the iPhone has what, been around for 10 years now. Is that right? So when we made this, the iPhone had only been around for four years. So of those four years, if you remember back, the idea that you could go into Google Maps and sort of make it larger as you scrolled in further and further and further, that was still relatively new. And the fact that it was in a TV show and we were in it, we were like, this is so cool. <laughs> um, so we had a lot of questions at the time. Um, we were just fascinated by it, you know. How Liam sees some of the things he sees in those memories. It's very, it's very well done the way they show him at the beginning, and you see him not having the great experience and sitting at this huge table and people clearly, and you know, I think what's very clever about that is that he is observing their sort of subliminal movements and looks to each other, which are telling him, "I am not going to get this job," and it's those very same looks and movements that plant the seed for what he sees in Jody. Um, and it's a little detail, but I just think it's such good storytelling. And then much, much later on, there's a great scene with the babysitter and the babysitter's brought in and he says, have a look at this. Have a look at this. Is this funny? 
And it's again, it's almost it's another version of that same scene, isn't it? He's it's almost turning that opening scene of him being the one who isn't in control and the one who's feeling put upon. He almost flips it and she becomes the person that's made to feel small by the the technology and by the embarrassment in the room. Just a re- yeah, just a really good way of showing someone's meltdown. And add on top of that, that, you know, we can't, in this world, we can't lie anymore. And I know I'm stating the obvious, but, you know, what I love is the scene where he asks to have a look. Um, you know, he says, you know, did you wear a condom? And he says, show me the scene. And, you know, I'm sure lots of your listeners have <laughs> been in situations where, you know, you've broken up with a girlfriend, a partner, whatever, and you just need to know. Tell me who he is. You know, what does he look like? What If you've ever had that experience, it's a very real, visceral thing that you just think, I've got to have an image or knowledge in my mind of who this person is that you'd prefer to me. Or, And we've seen it in television dramas. And the person can tell you, but they don't have to tell you the truth, right? I mean, they could just say, oh, it meant nothing or it was a couple of... But you have absolutely no idea whether they're telling the truth. And the nightmare of this story, I think, is that there is an absolute truth that you can no longer say it was nothing. You know, we sat with each other once. It didn't mean anything to me. Those days are gone in this world because everyone is accountable. There is a fundamental truth that everybody has access to. Um, That's creepy. (laughs) It's it's really scary, isn't it? And I guess it means that other people get to have an interpretation of your memories, Mm. even though they weren't there. Yeah. Yeah, and is that is that really fair or not? And I and I think the perfect scenario is chosen a relationship. Yeah, and not talking to each other is the key, isn't it? Because that is the, you know, more than the technology itself. Um, obviously, there are dangers that are flagged up in the show, but I think one of the main things is the is the la- is the is the the fake idea of communication. The idea that because we can show each other our holidays and we can show each other all these things, that somehow we're communicating with each other. But I think what's really scary about this one is is that no one in the story is communicating. And so the few times when people do, the room goes quiet. You know, when the, when the girl comes in and she says, I haven't got a grain. And you get this pause and you think, and everybody at the table just stops because it's a real moment where somebody is telling them something that has really happened that they're all affected by. A bit like with Crocodile. there There was a point in their relationship where she should have told him that she was that their relationship was a bit distant and that he was away too much and that she was feeling cut off and that she'd made a mistake and and had a fling with someone else but because they didn't communicate that the fling happened again and again and again and it became something else but it seems to me that the the, the real mistake is not not being able to talk about that and not and not communicating that in a relationship and living separate lives. I sympathise with both characters, you know. What was it like for um, for Toby Kebble to have to get into that character like every day? Because it, it strikes <clears> me that that is that that must have got progressively like through the timeline of the episode. I imagine the scenes weren't always in order, but yeah, that must have got harder and harder and probably further and further away from how most normal people. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, I guess, I mean, I don't know, but I guess it must have been difficult for him in the sense that he, he made the decision, which I think was a good one, uh, to 
as a group, all of the old friends who were together, we were quite rambunctious. You know, we had a lot of laughs and we were always, you know, in tea breaks and things like that. We were always joking and laughing and and just getting to know each other quickly so that we could bring this to the to the show. Um, but if your character is alone in the show and you feel separate and you've got these feelings of paranoia, uh, Toby decided to, to sort of, you know, to be separate from that um because you know the work continues even when the camera's not rolling so um it wasn't really until our stuff was sort of shot out that we could really sort of say oh, hello nice to meet you properly because <laughs> because in a sense he had to keep himself separate from everybody otherwise he would have been infected by our energy and by our um familiarity um so yeah so he he very much uh kept with jody or kept by himself yeah I think, <clears throat> I mean, everybody, you know, every actor is different, but I think that we always have to, you know, the, as I'm sure you've heard other actors say, you know, in our job, we have a saying, which is hurry up and wait, because filming takes a long time. You know, when I've invited friends of mine or my kids have come to set, they say it's so boring. Nothing happens for hours on end. And then suddenly something happens and you have to be ready. And so with all the waiting, if you are not in the right frame of mind to be ready when the camera rolls, then that's, you know, that's wasted time. So as actors, we, we do always have to be ready. And I, and I think I, I do agree. I think that you, however you need to be ready, if you know, and I've worked with some actors who can absolutely switch it off and switch it on like a key in, a, in an ignition. Um, and for those actors, that's great. And they can go and have a ciggy and a coffee and then, and then burst into tears two seconds later. Um, but every actor is different because every person is different and, you know, we're just people um, pretending to be other people. So um, you will have find as many different approaches to acting as there are people. I mean, I've, yeah, after all this time, I, I'm still amazed that I meet people who have all these different processes and things. I think it's fantastic. Now, d doing this podcast and interviewing people who've worked on Black Mirror has been like this education in acting whatever you're doing in black mirror it doesn't matter which one you're in i think all the actors would agree you know to, it's really rare to tell a story in one small arc because unless you are making films all the time we're constantly uh if we're on television you know you, you every, there's always something else that's coming after and in a lot of cases you, they may have plans for your character further down the line that you have absolutely no idea of and when you get there you think oh no if i if I'd known that, I wouldn't have done that before, you know. And actually, with the Black Mirrors, you are sent a standalone script with a beginning, a middle, and an end. You know exactly what happens, and it is such a luxury um, for an actor. Um, and it might sound like a little thing, but to be able to prepare for what you're doing, to know what's going to happen, there are no surprises going to be pulled out, no changes, no oh we're suddenly going to do this, or the show's going to move to Cape Town tomorrow, and we're going to shoot a whole different sequence for the end of the series you can see you can see exactly what it is that you're going to be doing um and that's really nice there probably weren't any non-disclosure agreements around the script and anything as, as you found oh, that's a good that's a good question i think were there i do you know what i think there might have been but because um uh i'm just trying to think it's because of the uh the national anthem I think there may have been just because just because that one was so particular and it's sort of, I mean that was the water cooler episode. You know that was the for me that was the one that you couldn't go anywhere without people saying, um, "Did you see the one where the guy?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
Well, he had sex with it. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I think there might have been. I think we might have ha- had to agree not to to mention it. But we. D- I don't think we particularly had a. I don't think ours was about a twist. Do you know what I mean? I think that the as as shocking as the end is, I think it's actually more about the journey and entire history of you. Whereas some, you get to the end and you, it's just like a wallop in the back of the head as the twist comes in. So I think it, it matters more for those ones, I think, because it's it's such a shame for people that they know the end and that's what the show really turns on. I was thinking to myself the other day, I thought, oh God, I'd love to do um, Black Mirror again. And of course I thought, oh, well, I can't now because you know, I've already been in one. It would be really odd to be in another one. But then I thought, there is an actor that's in more than one. Do you know who it is? There's a couple. There's a couple. I've oh, there's a couple. I only, only know. Oh, really? There's a guy from your episode. So Daniel LePayne is in. Daniel LePayne is the soon. person I was thinking about. I hadn't realised there was someone else. Hannah John Kamen is in. Um, 15 Million Merits. Yeah. She's in Playtest. When I saw that, I didn't even recognise him when I saw him the second time. Uh, yeah. I thought, I know that guy. And it was just such a great transformation. Yeah. Oh, and there's one thing we haven't mentioned. Yeah. Annabelle Jones. We have to mention Annabelle Jones yes, as well. Yes, yes. We have to because, uh, you know, listen, I mean, Charlie's brilliant everything, but Annabelle Jones is the other exec on the show and, yeah. you know, it wouldn't happen without her as well. So I just wanted to uh, give her a shout out. The thing about execs is, you know, they, they literally bring the show. It's so difficult to get a show off the ground, to get a show greenlit, to assemble a cast, get the crew that you need, to turn something on paper into the vision of the show, you know, and it's, you know, Charlie's crazy, brilliant brain comes up with all this stuff, but it's a team of people who have to just turn words on a page into a three-dimensional, textured, layered, you know, emotional, funny, complicated story. And it is such a it's such a mammoth task. Um, so I just wanted to shout out because she's absolutely in the middle of in the middle of that, and you know, it just wouldn't have happened without her. So thanks to Rashawn Stone for calling in to talk about his time working on the entire history of you. If you have thoughts about this episode, then please do tweet us on at Black Mirror or uh, you can get me directly on at SirChandrakaC and both these Twitter handles will be written down on whichever platform you're listening to this podcast from. So if you enjoyed this podcast, please do rate, review, subscribe, click all the stars, look back into your memory for the last time you enjoyed it but just be glad you don't have to show that to anyone. <laughs>